A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. We're reading in chapter 10 of Mark's Gospel. Verse 1, which the lectionary omits, narrates Jesus on the move to Judea, beyond the Jordan, the place where he was baptized by John. It was there, as he was coming up out of the water, that Jesus saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. From that moment on, Jesus knew that he was one with the Father, and nothing could ever separate him from the Father's love. The Pharisees asked Jesus if divorce is lawful. Jesus does not engage in the questions around divorce. When is it permissible? What are sufficient causes? What financial arrangements are appropriate? For Jesus, the symbolism of divorce tells the whole story. It is what it is often called a breakup. Things are loose no longer in communion. It embodies separation consciousness. The original, unitive consciousness of creation is lost, and the one who came to restore creation wants it otherwise. Marriage symbolizes unitive consciousness. The two are not two, but one. The ultimate source of this oneness is the joining energy that is the essence of God. As Paul Tillich asserted, love is the power that drives everything there is 
toward everything else there is. In the same way, the author of Hebrews declares, The one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Two weeks ago, Jesus put a child in the midst of the disciples and said, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Last Sunday, the disciples tried to stop someone who was casting out demons in Jesus' name. Today, the disciples are trying to stop people from bringing little children to Jesus. Instead of separating, Jesus gathers. Let the children come to me. Do not stop them. The children are at the center of the three passion predictions. Jesus is teaching us what it means to follow the Messiah and therefore what it means to be church. When Jesus says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it, he's reminding us again that God is not experienced in power but in weakness. This is a community of the broken, of the vulnerable, of those at risk. That's why the church always begins with the unborn, with the most vulnerable. Monday is the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis lived a life of radical poverty because he recognized that there was no place where God was not present. Beginning at the bottom, Francis could see that every life was worth living, that all of creation reveals the presence of God. In the words of his beautiful canticle, Laudato Si, Mi Signore, Praise to you, my Lord. St. Francis reminds us that our common home is like a sister with whom we share our life, and a beautiful mother who opens her arms to embrace us. Pope Francis quotes St. Francis of Assisi in the opening line of his encyclical on the care of our common home. Laudato Si reminds us that we all breathe one air only, and that the water we all drink is from one source. Equally, the food we eat and the land which gives us this food are also one. We are all interconnected beings living in one common home. We are all one body and one life. The life of the earth is our life, The suffering of the earth is our suffering, and the tears of the marginalized are God's tears and our tears. In his book, Sacred Economics, Charles Eisenstein argues that we have become disconnected from the earth and from each other by our economic systems. Eisenstein invites us to begin where Jesus begins, with the child. Imagine walking out the door right now and finding yourself plunged into an alien world in which you are completely helpless, unable to feed or clothe yourself, unable to use your limbs, 
unable even to distinguish where your body ends and the world begins. Then huge beings come and hold you, feed you, take care of you, love you. Wouldn't you feel gratitude? This experience, common to everyone who has made it past childhood, informs some of our deepest spiritual intuitions. Our lives are given to us. Therefore, our default state is gratitude. Gratitude is the appropriate response when we receive a gift. Even in America, alienated as we are from the gift culture, we still feel its logic. You may have had the experience of receiving a favor from someone and then offering to pay for it, and feeling the letdown and distancing that ensue. To pay for a gift renders it no longer a gift, and the bond that was being established is broken. When we pay for everything we receive, we remain independent, disconnected, free from obligation and free from ties. No one can call in favors. No one has any leverage over us. Because it creates gratitude or obligation, to willingly receive a gift is itself a form of generosity. It says, I'm willing to owe you one. Extending the principle further, to fully receive the gifts bestowed upon us, says, I'm willing to be in the debt of God and the universe. The word Eucharist means to give thanks. It's in the opening dialogue of the Eucharistic prayer, Let us give thanks and praise. Every good gift comes from above. In return, we bring gifts of bread and wine and place them on the altar. And then we place our lives on the altar as well. Our whole lives, our joys and hopes, our grief and anguish. We put our lives in Jesus' hands so that we are one with him as he hands over his life to the Father.